You're listening to the Antos Podcast, where we explore the nature of stories in the pursuit of being in truth. I'm Vod. And I'm Mac. And our sentience depends on you. We're back. Rashik wore both black and white. I think he wanted to show that he was a duality, preservation and ruin. This, of course, was a lie. After all, he had only touched one of the powers, and only in a small way at that. Allomancy, obviously, is of preservation. The rational mind will see this. For, in the case of Allomancy, net power is gained. It is provided by an external source, preservation's own body. Hemallergy is of ruin. It destroys. By taking abilities from one person and giving them to another, and reduced amounts, power is actually lost. In line with Ruin's own appointed purpose, breaking down the universe into smaller and smaller pieces, hemology gives great gifts, but at a high cost. We're keeping that in there. <laughs> We're keeping that in there. Um, okay, so here we go. So we're back. We're going to be going th- over three chapters. This uh, this episode, we're going to be going over uh, 31 through uh, 33. So, starting out with uh, chapter 31 here, we get Sazed's point of view. And we learn, you know, we ended last time, you know, two weeks ago at this point. Uh, we ended with them realizing that there's, like, running water in this, like, cavern. You know, the, the cavern that the Lord Ruler has prepped and everything uh, in, the, in the city. And we learn that in this chapter... All the rivers were diverted, and they created an underwater lake here to store the water to to keep it safe. And Sazie even points out and goes, oh, man, like, it's filtering through the rocks, the rock bed and everything. So this is, like, the purest water that the final empire has access to, essentially. So really smart idea by uh, the engineers that are following the Lord Ruler when this was created, right? I don't know if there's every river i don't think it's every river but no, it was no, a no. lot of rivers it was the rivers around the city they're currently in. yeah or, or yeah. toe yeah yeah so anyway they're talking spook wants to assassinate the citizen um but breeze and says to both point out this guy is just a mouthpiece that's replaceable right when we killed the lord ruler that was their god you can't replace that and that's why it had such a lasting effect and such a dominant effect on the on the population essentially Killian is just another guy. Mm-hmm. He can easily be replaced by one of his lackeys, one of the people who are in his government. And so Breeze decides he instead wants to look around for how corrupt the government is, basically figure out who's going to turn on Killian if something bad happens. Um, And so, yeah, with that, says it's like back st- says it's still in sad boy hours. Like he's still sad. He He's trying to figure out exactly what happened to Tendril and he's going to push forward with his, um, reading through the religions and everything and trying to determine if any of them have any sway or any uh, legs to stand on, essentially. And he goes and checks the plaque. And we get a cool little thing here of, like, we get more of an explanation of our, on what are on these plaques. This one says, uh, the Lord Ruler basically explains his plan to take the power at the well and to save everyone. But he says, like, uh, but that's going to be difficult because ruin is affecting my thoughts. So we get confirmation from the Lord Ruler himself that Ruin is poking at him consistently while he was alive. Um, but yeah, Spook approaches Sazed to tell Sazed about Kelsier being back, and Sazed's like, uh, all right, Spook, yeah, sure, that that's true. And 
man, Spook kind of shakes, says it a bit here because he goes, you know, are you going to preach religion? And says, like, I don't do that anymore. And he's like, why? He's like, because, you know, I don't, I don't want to preach anything that is just utterly false and wrong. And Spook goes, huh, I don't think that's it. I think you're just doing this because Tyndall didn't like religion. It, this is actually a really cool conversation because mm-hmm. because Spook is being very innocent, nonchalant. He's not trying to prod Sazed, but Sazed but is really taken it, aback. It shook Sazed yeah. big time mm-hmm. because Sazed even sits there and goes, wow, Tyndall, you know, dug into religion for me and basically gave away her own ideals to dive into my work to help me to spend time with me. Am I doing the same thing? And that's the end of chapter 31. So chapter 32 we get Ellen's point of view, and man, they're at the ball. They're doing ball things. And Teldon is there. I think I'm saying that name right. Teldon. Teldon is there. That is one of the other best friends, you know, part of the circle. One of his drinking buddies. One of his drinking buddies. And essentially, Teldon is talking and being like, you know, hey, I thought you were, like, not a real ruler. And Ellen's like, hey, I wasn't for a time, but I am now. And Something that I think points out that Ellen points out here that I wanted to talk about was just like the Lord Ruler, Ellen's like, with ease, I am soothing the entire ball. He just drops that. He's like, with ease, it's just no problem. <laughs> I will also I will also point out that they made an error in the book uh, oh. and said uh, that he was using zinc. Oh, zinc riots. He's like, he's, he was using his zinc on the crowd to make sure they were soothed and calm. I was like. Zinc don't do that. Oh, so. well, there we go. Good, good catch. But he's talking to Tel- Teldon, and Teldon's like, you're not going to actually attack the city, right? The Ellen I know wouldn't do that. And Ellen's like, no. Like, I'm definitely going to. I'm, I'm definitely going to attack the city. And Teldon kind of like, you see there's like a bit of mourning in this conversation where both are mourning the loss of the friendship because they are discussing, they're realizing that, or at least Teldon's realizing, he doesn't know this Ellen anymore. And Ellen, you know, Points that out in his own mind, says, Teldon doesn't know me, and, you know, that kind of sucks to suck, but this is how it has to be. Mm-hmm. And they have this, like, very, like, respectful conversation, and Teldon just, like, dismisses himself with respect as well. And I thought it was just super interesting to see, like, the opposite of things, where we saw Jastys lose complete control, and now Teldon's just like, well, this is how it be. You know, this is how it is. And he didn't tell him that he killed Jastys. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> But um, Ellen finally decides it's time, and he approaches Yeoman, and Yeoman's wearing the, the like the robes of an obligator, but he has like he has a single bead of ATM in this like centerpiece of his forehead, like they're almost like a I don't know what those are called. They're like it's a headpiece, but I know yeah, they have a specific I, name. I don't know what they're. You see them at Ren Fair all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so whatever that that headpiece is with like the single gem in the center, except it's a single bead of ATM, and. Yeoman just comes straight out playing hardball, right? He he's mad at Ellen because he Ellen he's like, You actually believe you deserve to take this city. And he calls Ellen the hypocrite, which Ellen's even like, Yeah, based on like everything I preached before I became emperor, I am one hundred percent a hypocrite. And Yeoman, we we get a lot of insight into Yeoman here. He's like, the only person who deserves to rule is someone who's been given authority by the Lord Ruler. And Ellen finds out that Yeoman's a bit of a scholar. He he's pretty learned. He he he's read a bit. He's essentially a philosopher. Yeah, one hundred percent. Well, Ellen's like uh, Ellen realizes that Yeoman would probably be a little bit more willing to talk, except for the fact that 
he must have such strong convictions because he just hates Vin. Ellen Ellen can just know knows that Yeoman hates Vin. He goes, you know, why wouldn't he? You know, the the woman I'm married to the woman who killed his god. And Ellen points out that the storage cavern exists and notices Yeoman just slightly flinch and he realizes, okay, so Yeoman knows about the storage cavern, obviously. I mean, it makes sense he's a part of the ministry, right? Um, Ellen just wanted the information, and uh, he learns that Yeoman would rather his, his soldiers and the citizens die resisting than, than submit to him. And uh, yeah, Ellen's like, well, we'll see what a couple of months of hunger does, and I'll come back and talk to you later. I'm going to go dance now. And he goes to enjoy the ball, and it turns out that we get back to Ben's point of view, but we learn that Ellen is finally giving her that dance. Uh, you know, I, I wanted, I'm going to insert the little joke here, but it's true. Brandon always talks about promises and fulfilling your promises. He's straight up. I, I made a note of it back in book one. Ellen straight up promised to dance. And it's something so minor, but even on this case, Brandon's like, even this little, little detail promise delivery. Indeed. Um, I mean, that's how you get, I mean, in my opinion, that's how you get great. If you can do that with even the smallest details, you'll never, uh, well, I shouldn't say never, you'll rarely, if ever, screw up a promise and delivery on like the, the bigger topics, if you can do it at that small of a scale. But they dance and we learn, you know, Vin finally comes to complete terms that she can be both Vin, uh, the street urchin and Vin, the queen here. And she falls into Empress or Empress. Yeah. <laughs> She falls into uh, that, that social structure quite nicely. And they dance and they decide that they are going to go to Yeoman's next ball because Yeoman is throwing the next ball in the Canton of... Uh, what, what, which one is it? Canton of Resource. Canton of Resource. There we go. And uh, that's where the cash is. At least that's where they hope it is. And so they're planning on breaking into it. And we're going to get another heist. That's the end of 32. 33. Really f- quick short one. I'm going to give this one the complete spark notes. Tensoon's in the dog body. He believes Vin is the hero of ages. He he talks to, uh, he, he addresses the first. The first finally respond and tell Kampar to continue with his torture and execution. Tensoon flees. And uh, yeah, that's the end of 33. That's a quick one. Well, and the torture they were going to uh, put on Tensoon was that he was going to be have his bones broken which actually hurts them. It hurts it them like a, it would hurt anyone else. Um, and then he would be taken, put into this cramped area. Uh, it's like a quarter size hole. Where or there's a little like hole where he could get f- food and he would be, able, be kept there for 10 generations, which probably is about a thousand years because it sounds like it. It sounds like a generation every hundred years, yeah. Yeah, because I think that's what they've been doing. Uh, and then he would be starved after that point. So cool that he escaped, but yes, he addresses he dress addresses the the first generation who actually answers, which is like makes everyone all excited, and he's just like I'm disappointed because you, uh, you know, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, but it it, it was a uh, super interesting. I think the he did confirm that he had had the uh, the blessing of potency that he took from Orsir when he was with Vin. Uh, yes. Well, yeah. I think we learned a little bit more about that down the road, but he did confirm that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll learn about the blessings later, but um, um, he had he had it, and we know from a couple of chapters back. I don't know exactly which one it was, but like he has the blessing. Even, even Milan, Milan came out and was like, "Hey, we know you have that for Morsur. Do you want me to go get it for you?" And and Tensoon was playing dumb. Right. Right. Um, 
So uh, a few, uh, the few things you know, we're talking about the events that came went uh, that came and went. Um, I think the big part with thirty one was you know the Spooks trying trying to get testing of Sazed, and I remember in the first chapters or in the first episodes of Hero of Ages that we talked about, uh, I mentioned there was a certain plot line that I didn't really like and it kind of drug for a while, and it was the Spook plotline, um, and I've actually really. Taken a new liking to it. Uh, Has it not it. been more pleasant the second read through? Yeah, and I think it's because when I first read, you know, Hero of Ages, I was so interested in what was happening with Vin and Ellen and everything, mm-hmm. and and Tensoon, and so it was like pulling over to Spook. I was like, ah, here's another chapter, yeah. and nothing really seems like it's moving. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I, I'm actually enjoying it significantly more than I did than I did, you know, when I first read it. Uh, so. Good on me, past me, you know, <laughs> to give give things another chance. Um, but my thing, one of the things I loved about this uh, is now we get to see, meet Yeoman and see him as a person. And he is one of the coolest characters, really. Honestly, like he is just one of those characters. Like, what is it? Um, no, using a and d term here to me. He's a villain you love to hate. Yeah, and the thing I and the thing I love about him is that he like very very you know precisely understands his position. Mm-hmm. You know, he understands what he believes and why. He is very very well developed. It's not just he feels a certain way or you know, whatever. He has like really interesting deep explanations. I think Ellen in this chapter had even said something to the effect of I almost agree with him, you know. Yeah, I mean, and what what I mean by villain you love to hate here, it doesn't mean I actually hate Yeoman in that sense. It's it's very much a term where it's just like, this is a villain that you sit here and you go, man, and you know, and you can say this about any character, but you can say this like in in a different story, this is a really good guy. Well, I say, uh, you know, uh, well, I can you can almost say the same thing about Set in many ways. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, every time I hear Set talk, I always think of Tywin Lannister. Um, yeah. you know, I, I don't know the actor, so hate me if you want, but the guy who plays Tywin Lannister, you know, I always wonder like if he gets pulled into a Mistborn series, who he'd play. And I feel like set would be a pretty good one. I don't think so. I don't. The I other think, one I was Straff, he, but I, I don't think he, he Straff is too much of I too whiny. That, that actor, that actor again, I don't know the name either. Um, in fact, let me, let me hit this real fast, but I'm, the reason I, I just kind of imagine him talking because he because set we find, you know, he's he talks a big game and he's like really, really intense. Charles dance. Yes, Charles. Dance. No, no, yeah. So so I could not see him as a set, though, because to me, the thing I want about set is I want to see someone who is. Uh, I want to see someone who is. um, Not intimidating, like like. To me, like sets, I think is intimidating. I think he's supposed he, he comes off as intimidating. I mean, he comes mm-hmm. off as intimidating in the way he commands like a room, but like appearance wise, I don't think he is right. Isn't he like? Isn't he's, he, he's, he? He wasn't he described as being plump because yeah, because he 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 has a disability, right? It doesn't describe mm-hmm. as being like plump and just like i have to look i, I mean I, I tried to maybe look at, that's just the view i saw of him i had to head. try to i tried to find like pictures that people had and a lot of them give give them like kind of a grizzled old man kind of look but anyway um what do you want danny devito <laughs> danny devito is set i mean that, that'd be <laughs> that'd be pretty funny he owns every role he he's in actually that would be a really interesting set um anyway um uh, 
but Yeoman like is going to develop even you know way more over the next few chapters. Uh, but what I loved was like you know we come in and he goes toe to toe with Ellen on basically everything. Oh my gosh! Okay, so a little bit off topic here. Exactly, I literally just stumbled upon a Reddit post uh, um, here, and like uh, if I could pronounce this Reddit name, I'd say it, but I just can't. Um, mm-hmm. But literally, the the king from from um, Disenchanted, the Netflix series. I'm going to show you a picture of him. This is exactly how I saw it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just like the gross old mustache, the hair. You just look at him and he's just plump and he's angry. <laughs> I don't know. And I, I feel like because he's got, he's, you know, he's pretty smart. He's pretty wise, you know. Um, and as we kind of found out that he has a code, you know, he sticks yeah. to. Yeah. Um, and so I guess that's the other thing that I like about Yeoman. Yeoman reminds me so much mm-hmm. of when Set first showed up. Yeah. Um, I mean, Set was just another one of those bad guys, again, that you couldn't help but respect. You're like, dang. I mean, he was like, look, I'm, I do bad things, but like, I have a good reason for it. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense. And the world just kind of sucks. So that's the way it is. Um, Yeoman's not quite at that level, but he is, you know, basically he feels he's right. He has very, very good reasons to explain why he's right. Um, so super excited to, to be able to kind of set him up. Um, I mean, yeah. And like, he puts on such, you know, he's a, a, he's a, uh, man, he's an obligator for the Canton of Resource, but he puts on a very kingly approach to this. He does not back down from Ellen. And you could see this in a lot of other noblemen who are actually more cowardly. Like, you know, look at Set staring down Vin, right? He set, he stares down Vin, you know, understanding there's nothing he can do. Um, but he stands he stands there with, you know, bravery, uh, is what I would say. Yeoman's the same way versus you've seen so many other noblemen who, when they come to terms with a look at Straff. Mm-hmm. And like the way he reacted, he didn't sit there and stare Vin down as Vin, you know, landed and cut his head off. Right? He didn't stare her down in defiance, like a "Oh well, I'm beaten, but I'm gonna just take it now." He tried to run like a coward, and yet here's Yeoman, a Canton of Resource obligator, which we understand is just a bureaucrat, basically staring down the Emperor Mistborn, the the person who's essentially conquering the world at this point mm-hmm. with no fear. Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, this guy's got to be, you know, pretty smart because there's he didn't do anything like he's not like Set, like who went in with a bunch of armies to take whatever he could. He outsmarted Set. He outsmarted him, and yeah. that's what he's that's what Set has already said about him. So we're going to be able to see a lot more about it, you know, over the next few chapters. But in the next chapter, we're going to see what Marsh is being up to. Hey, everyone, Vod here. Please rate our podcast and follow us for regular episodes Monday through Friday. If you enjoy listening, consider subscribing. We are a very small project, so please support us with likes and comments. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ontos. That's patreon.com slash O-N-T-O-S. Thanks again, and remember, our sentience depends on you.